Today's episode is crucial because it is about you and the power you might not know you have. In previous episodes, we have talked about how we all have free will and its implications, the placebo and the nocebo effects, and how you create reality, an idea supported by quantum physics and many other scientific studies. And just so we are on the same page, let's define the mind. Its definition is the element of a person that enables them to be aware of the world and their experiences, to think and to feel, the faculty of consciousness and thought. And it's a very good definition. It mentions consciousness, thought and awareness. It is a complex composed of hardware and software. In this case, the hardware being the brain and other parts of the body and the software being the awareness and thoughts. But today we're going to focus more on the software side of things, which is the part that boggles scientists today. When I began writing the script for this episode, I didn't know where to start because there is so much documented information about this topic that is overwhelming. But it's also incredible how there are still people that deny the existence of psychic abilities, even though the CIA and other government programs and institutions around the world have invested billions of dollars in the research of these phenomena, mainly for military purposes and with great results. Other independent civilian researchers have been able to study this phenomenon as well with incredible successful conclusions. Some of the contemporary researchers I've heard of are Dean Radin, parapsychologist, master's degree in electrical engineering and PhD in educational psychology, also author of a number of books, Russell Targ, psychist, parapsychologist and author, worked with the US government for 23 years on remote viewing and other psychic research. Bruce Lipton, a developmental biologist who has discovered incredible relations between genes, the environment and the mind, a field called epigenetics. And Joe Dispenza, an international lecturer, researcher, corporate consultant, author and educator. He started his journey when he healed himself from a terrible spinal injury just by using his mind. And there are so many other researchers studying this for decades. Some of them are more known in the mainstream than others, but certainly very capable and respected people. This is not to say that others without a PhD or other impressive credentials are less, but for sure these credentials put things in perspective for those who want to deny this reality. Welcome to Astra Podcast, Beyond Possibilities. This is episode 5, The Power of the Mind. I'm Joy, and I'm the messenger. Although this is something I say in every episode, we have to reiterate it because it's very important. Everything I say here is my opinion. If you hear the words of someone else, then it would be their own ideas as well, of which you can choose to believe or not. What I recommend is to have your own conclusions, and even if I say I believe something, it doesn't mean I expect anyone to do so. But to at least consider it, as a possibility. I am on the same journey you are. I have the same questions you have. If I'd claim that existence is an absolute truth, because non-existence is the only impossible thing, some people will not agree and others will. Even if it is completely logical, some people will still believe that somehow non-existence is possible. I'm pretty sure of my claim, 
and they will be also pretty sure of theirs. But there is nothing to worry about. It's great to have a counterpart to contrast upon. To play chess in this life, you need two on opposite sides. The non-existence idea is something we can explore more in a future episode. For now, I'll remind you to use your free will to believe whatever you want to believe, but also open your mind to different ideas. I'm not asking you to believe them, but just hear them unless you feel these ideas are harming you in any way. It is scary to be truly free, because suddenly your train runs out of tracks, and it means that you really need to take the wheel and direct your ideas and beliefs. For most people, being on the rail train with a fixed destination is more comfortable than exploring other places. When we talk about the power of the mind, we have to mention people like Uri Geller, a psychic born in Israel who, from a young age, experienced some paranormal events in his life. Later, he discovered that he was able to bend metallic spoons at will and other psychic abilities like remote viewing and even mind-reading and telepathy. During his life, he started doing public magic shows, also combining more traditional illusions and magic tricks. But during the 70s, Uri Geller started to be part of very interesting experiments done by top scientists in the CIA and other governmental institutions. Some of these experiments and their results are corroborated and documented with footage that can be seen in documentaries about him. Nevertheless, many have invested a great deal of time and effort to discredit him as a mere illusionist, which at the time was perfect for the CIA who still used him for a number of experiments and projects. Uri Geller has talked about some of his experiences in different documentaries, but even today he cannot talk about some of the things he was involved in during his time working for the US government, since it's still classified information. I should also mention Nina Kolagina, born in 1926 in the former Soviet Union. She was capable of moving objects with her mind by hovering her hands close to the objects without touching them, even objects inside other objects. There is plenty of footage of her doing these things on multiple occasions in controlled environments in front of Soviet scientists. This account is impressive, though not as fantastic as shown in the Netflix series Stranger Things with the character Eleven. Although if Nina could do that naturally, imagine what she could have done by having some training. Nina died in 1990, but her story keeps on living. Most of you might be thinking right now, well, those people are exceptional and had a gift. Some kind of psychic skill. And it might be true somehow, but this next person had not previously experienced any psychic ability, and in fact, he now teaches regular people, like you and me, how to do what he did. I'm talking about Dr. Joe Dispenza. Dr. Joe had a serious spine injury during a triathlon. While riding his bicycle, a car hit him from the back at 55 miles an hour. He landed on his back and broke six of the vertebrae on his spine. He was lucky to be alive. Then he got four different opinions from surgeons on how to treat his injuries, including complicated surgeries that required to have steel rods implanted in his back. Dr. Joe didn't want this. Having the surgery would mean committing to a life of being handicapped and a lifetime of prescribed addictive medications. Also, not being able to walk again. Instead of accepting the surgery, he chose an unconventional solution. He used his mind to reconstruct his back. He said, quote, I decided to check out of the hospital and I just had this one thought. 
and the thought was the power that made the body heals the body. And I couldn't stop thinking about that because I knew that there is an intelligence that is giving us life that keeps our heart beating and digesting our food. And that consciousness is awareness and awareness is paying attention. So they must be observing or paying attention to who I am. So I decided that I was going to make contact with this intelligence and I was going to give it a plan, a template, a design. I was going to get very specific of what I wanted. And when I was happy with this creation, I was going to surrender this creation to a greater mind because it knows how to heal way better than I do." Unquote. He goes on to explain that he started to visualize his spine healing, I guess doing some kind of meditation on this, but his mind would drift to negative thoughts, like imagining staying on a wheelchair his entire life, and similar distracting thoughts. Immediately, he would become aware of this and start all over again. But these distractions kept happening anyways. It was a visualization process that took him about three hours every time, but he kept going for about six weeks. For him, it was very frustrating at times. At the end of six weeks, he had practiced focusing his attention enough that he could make this visualization or meditation process without getting distracted and doing it in about 45 minutes. He started to feel the results of this, and all he did was a clear visualization. In his mind, he repaired his spinal injuries. It might sound easy, but controlling your thoughts is incredibly hard, as he mentioned. No wonder it took him six weeks to start seeing some results. On top of that, everyone around him thought he was crazy. After 10 weeks, he was back on his feet and training after 12 weeks. He made a deal with himself. The deal is that if he was ever able to walk again, he was going to spend the rest of his life studying the mind-body connection and mind over matter. This is what he has been doing since 1985. To me, that's one of the most remarkable stories I've heard on healing. David R. Hamilton, PhD, is an organic chemist and author, and he had worked for one of the largest pharmaceutical companies developing drugs for cardiovascular disease and for cancer. He loved his work, but he was more fascinated on the results of drug testing. This is what David Hamilton said. Quote, Let's say in a typical trial you might give 100 people a drug to show that it works. So you also have got to give 100 people a placebo for comparison purposes. And you might get 75 people improving on the drug. But it's not uncommon to get 40, 50, 60, 70, 74, 75 sometimes even also improving in the placebo. Because they think they are getting the drug. And I thought, well, that's amazing. What we see here is belief itself shifting biology, and I don't think that's thought enough in medical schools." Unquote. He's talking about the placebo effect, and the placebo effect is something we talked about in the previous episode. When you go to a doctor, you trust this person who has gone through an expensive and intensive medical training to judge your situation and help you heal any problem that you might have in your body. The doctor will give you a medication and a set of recommendations to help you with your recovery. Sometimes it will help and sometimes it won't. Because we're not only made of a body, we also have a mind. And by mind, I'm not referring to the physical brain, but everything that makes awareness and thinking possible. Most diseases do not originate on a part of the body, but from the mind. If your computer has a malware that makes the processor work intensively, overheating your computer, the solution is not adding another fan to cool it down, or adding more memory to handle this malware. 
that's completely inefficient. Instead, you go down to the source and get rid of the malicious code that is causing this. Maybe it's not even something hosted in your hard drive, but a remote hack. This is just an analogy. Adding another fan is what happens when we take a medication that will make us feel better for a short period of time, and then we have to buy more medication to keep us feeling better. I'm not saying that Western medicine is bad, I'm just saying that in a lot of cases medicine is not working as it should. In fact, it's making things worse. But this will keep happening as long as we ignore the connection of the mind and body and acknowledge the real power of the mind. I'm going to tell you how the power of the mind works in medicine. Something I learned from Michael Beckwith and Bruce Lipton and others. As soon as we see someone who has invested a great deal of time studying medicine and wearing a white coat, we tend to give them the authority, meaning our mind gives them power. We allow it. So whatever they tell us, we believe. Therefore, by believing, it becomes true. So it might be true that you have something wrong in your body, but if the doctor tells you, you only have six months to live, and you really believe it, you will most certainly die after six months. It depends on how much you allow others to shape the power of your mind. If you have done your homework about understanding what quantum physics say about reality, and how everything is not composed of solid matter but fields of energy, then you will know why the mind has such power over this reality. The experiments, the experiments, the experiments of the power of the mind. In the 90s, an experiment took place in USA. This experiment ended up being classified for the nature of the results gathered from it. In this experiment, a group of elderly people was taken to an isolated place that was a structure as a town, but everything was just like in the 1950s. Everyone in the group was over 80 years old. The level of detail in this town was from the type of cars, the buildings, the food and music, down to the radio stations available there. As the weeks went by, they were rejuvenated. Their ailments started to disappear. And after three months, the results were unbelievable. They all walked energetically, without walking sticks. After six months, all have the physical body structures of at least 10 to 20 years younger. In some cases, up to 25 years younger. This demonstrated that everything was in the mind. The body adapted to the perception of the mind. But as long as you carry on with a victim mentality, your reality will adapt to it. These people were still living in the 90s, but their perception was they were living back in the 50s. There are many ways to explain this. We could start considering Bruce Lipton's work. From the 80s, he discovered that genetically identical cells developed differently in different environments. This means that, no matter that the DNA in them is exactly the same, their behavior was affected by the type of environment they were in, and not by their genetic program. To this day, mainstream medicine still tells us that we have genetic predispositions to illness carried in our family, turning us again into victims of our genetics. I'm not going to say that the genetic predisposition is false, but it can be overwritten by the mind. 
Or, if you focus on the negative, you can boost your predisposition in a negative way. Bruce Lipton, PhD, says that the genes are very important. They are blueprints to build proteins, and those are the building blocks to make different types of cells, which specialize in different parts of the body. The problem is that we have gone beyond, and we think these genes have powers they don't really have, like self-actualization, like a gene decides to turn on by itself, but in reality, is consciousness in charge of this, in a deep level. There have been many experiments concerning the power of the mind by many different researchers, some of whom we don't even know, but the consensus we hear is that it is not real science, only because the majority of scientists love how everything already is. Imagine a gathering of blind people who agree that light exists, but not colors, and whoever dares to say that colors exist is ridiculed and defamed that's what happens every day in the scientific world, including the claim that water has memory properties. Even if highly renowned people holders of Nobel Prizes work on these and find extremely impressive and positive results, most of the time mass media won't mention the importance and implications of these results. The professor Luc Montagnier in 2008 was awarded the Nobel Prize in Physiology or Medicine for the discovery of HIV. A few years later, he started researching the memory of water, a research originally started by Jacques Benveniste. Unfortunately, these types of research are not financed the way they should, because they are seen as not serious scientific work, also because to some powerful people, it is more beneficial that humanity doesn't progress as fast. The only ones that are able to finance large-scale experiments with all the backing needed for these kinds of sciences are the governments. Of course, most of the material from these experiments will remain classified for a long time. But even the bits of documents that have been declassified from these projects show enough evidence about what the mind is capable of that it's extremely hard to deny. The mind, consciousness or awareness, is the fundamental block of this reality and existence. As René Descartes said, quote, I think, therefore I am. Unquote. Or when the Buddha said, quote, We are shaped with our thoughts. We become what we think. When the mind is pure, joy follows like a shadow that never leaves. Unquote. Today's recommendation is an easy read. It's the book called The Things You Can See Only When You Slow Down. How to Be Calm in a Busy World by Haemin Sunim, one of the most influential Zen Buddhist teachers and writers in the world. The power of the mind is a topic that we could go on discussing for a lot longer. If you want to share your own ideas, recommend other topics and share with the community, you can do so in our Discord server by simply going to astrapodcast.com, where you'll be able to find more information. If you enjoyed this episode, remember to rate the show and subscribe whatever you listen to the podcast. I would really appreciate it. Thank you for listening, and thank you for existing.